City Point Church, Knoxville, Tennessee, pastors Jason and Tiffany. Come on, believers, everybody give them a hand. We are excited for you. We're excited for everything that's taking place in Knoxville, Tennessee. We hope you're blessed by what you listen to today and what you dive in and kind of study along with us. Our whole church is excited. We're behind you 100%. You're in our prayers and our heart. And I keep saying swing for the fences. Live boldly. Live proudly for Jesus Christ. Plant the gospel Keep doing what you're doing. And I just want to pray a blessing over you. So everybody just grab a hand and let's bless them. Father, for City Point Church right now, Believers Church of Douglasville, we pray an overwhelming blessing to everybody that has put their life at City Point under Pastor Jason and Tiffany. I bless you. I bless them to prosper and lack nothing. I think that the favor of the Lord will be theirs from buildings to people to government officials to everything you've called them to do, that they will own their 50 feet of Knoxville with boldness and passion. We give you thanks for it. We call the blessings of the Father God down on them, that they will live the kingdom of Jesus. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody give one more shout of praise. We love you. Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in. Store treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy and thieves don't break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's my thought. If you want to know your heart for God, follow your money. I got to come on in a right. I'll say that. We'll slow that down. If you want to... <laughs> it's just true and it doesn't even have to be God if you want to know how much you love your wife follow your money come here Robin I'll give you a dollar right I mean <laughs> she's probably going to text me average you just say that I'm in Atlanta need a new dress but it's true there's no way around it I mean we can abuse it but there's no way your heart follows your money your money doesn't follow your heart your heart follows your money and I don't know why that is but it is a kingdom thing but here's what it goes on to say this is what I want to jump into nobody can serve two masters you'll either hate one and love the other be devoted to one despise the other and then Jesus this is Jesus son of God you can't serve God and be enslaved to money Jesus himself calls money a slave master. I don't know. I would almost say everybody in the room has been enslaved to money at one point. It talks to you. It controls you. It gets you out of bed. It gets you up early. It keeps you working double time, triple time, half time. It keeps you moving forward. Because the more money we get, the more debt we go in, which means I need more money and we just all keep going. But in a time of inflation, like right now, when gas is nearly double, food is triple, I think a few weeks ago I paid $182 for a gallon of milk. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I don't know where that cow is, but I'm like, my God, that must be an expensive cow. I told Robin, I said, honey, just start eating dry cereal. I'm, I'm tired of spending $200 for a gallon of milk. And then I just told her, just go buy a cow. Just buy a cow. We'll just, I'll go out and milk it every day. Come here, you know... But when inflation hits and you're on a limited budget, it stings. It literally, I mean, it fill up my trucks triple what it used to cost. So money, money definitely moves your emotions. 
It can make you mad, happy, and glad all at the same time. I, I don't believe the government should support us, but I got excited when I got a stimulus check. I was like, mm, come on, Jesus. And then, well, you know, we're all going to have to pay it back in taxes. I'm like, well, I still felt good when it hit my bank. I'll let my kids pay it back. Right now, it's kind of fun. But here's my thought to the enslaved. This is where I'm just going to be real with you. It's easy for preachers to emotionally enslave their followers in an attempt to gain money under the guise you're serving God. I've been in the game long enough to know I can enslave you to money and make you think you're being godly. And we preachers are masters at it. Masters of how we get people to give money to us. And here's the thing that's true with me. I, years ago, tried to get into a business because I was told if you're going to be a preacher, you need a plan B because you won't make a lot of money. And so I tried to do a business and I felt God say, you're not called to do a business. You're called to serve my kingdom, serve me, follow me, and I'll always take care of you. So for me, maybe not every preacher, but for me, this is my life. I don't have a plan B. I'm not out running a multi-level marketing scheme. I'm not buying real estate. I could. I guess I could. I just feel like it's not what God asked me to do. God didn't ask me to run five businesses in a church. I've been called to shepherd people, and I love it. But I also know in a time like this, it would be easy to enslave people to offerings. The economy's hurting. Well, if the economy's hurting, the church hurts. Man, give money. Give, 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 give. So I'm going to teach you how we pull it off, and then I'm going to tell you what I believe. Here's the first way we enslave you is fear. And here's the classic fear thing that can be used against you. Here it is, Malachi. Should people cheat God? See, I'll start you out feeling like you're a cheat. And right now, if you're not tithing, you're a cheater. That's how I, that's how I get you there. And if he's God, you should be willing to give him 10% because even that waitress gets 15 to 18. And doesn't that irritate you when you go get a donut and they turn around and want you to tip? I'm like, it was a donut. <laughs> oh, now I'm all conflicted. Do I tip for the donut? I mean, all you did was grab it and do that. And then they give me options, 15%, 18%, 20%. And now I feel like if I do 15, I'm going to be a jerk. So now, okay, 20%. Just flip it around. What would, what would it be like today if when you walked out before we let you get out, I spun it around and said, right here, baby, you want to give God 10, 15, or 20? <laughs> you know you would hit 20 because I don't want the preacher to see me skip it. Because <laughs> I've skipped a few when she's not watching. She flips it around and I sign it. She turns around and goes, skip, and flip it back around. So it's easy for me to get you feeling like if you don't tithe to this church, you're cheating God. And then the way I really get you, what do you mean? We don't cheat you. God says, you do. You cheat me of tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. So now as a pastor, I just simply tell you, if you don't tithe, you're cursed. Your family's cursed. You're cursed. You curse yourself. You rob God. You keep God from blessing you. I'm not opposed to the tithe. I tithe. I've been doing it since I'm 15. I give God his. But this is my belief. Here it is, next verse. Sweetheart, you're never cursed if you don't tithe. Christ has redeemed you from a curse. 
you don't ever have to give God a dime and you're not cursed. You can hold every bit of money in the palm of your hand and never give God a dollar. The reason you're not cursed is because of Jesus, not your tithe. So if you want to tithe, do so joyfully, but don't do so thinking that if you don't, God's going to get you. Now you'll be blessed if you do it, but you're not cursed if you don't. I don't want you coming here feeling like if you don't give, you're cursed. You're not. I want to introduce you to Jesus, and as he touches you, you can begin to give in a way that you've done cheerfully, been touched by him. And I do believe as a shepherd that includes a tithe. But, but please don't ever believe the lie that you're cursed. You're not. Here's the second way we do it. Status. You just got to be in church long enough to know that people with the money typically move the machine. They get on all the boards. They, uh, I'm not opposed to it. Sometimes people with a lot of money manage their life better than broke people. So you can see why they would be chosen. But a lot of times we pick people with money because of influence and then... What happens is money starts governing the church and those that make more money really run the show and are catered to be better friends with the shepherd and the pastor because they're the big givers. And then I do banquets for them at the end of the year to thank them for giving so much money because you've really impressed me because the woman that gave me $2 a week every week that only amounted to $104 by the end of the year, though she gave very consistently and all the time, really doesn't move the kingdom so she doesn't get invited to the banquet. And so when I started ministry 30 years ago, 33 years ago, I decided I don't ever want to do that. I, I don't know if this is a good thing, but it's my thing. If I'm wrong, I'm open. I never look at the money of this church. I don't look to see who tithes and who doesn't tithe. You could be filthy rich and give me a dollar. I wouldn't know it. You could be broke and give me a million. If you did, I'd know it. I'd be like... <laughs> Because they would tell me somebody gave a million. I'd be like, hey, I don't want to know their name. Thank you, Jesus. And they may tell me your name and I'd take you to Mexico the rest of your life. <laughs> but you know as well as I do, money speaks. Money can control. And so what I try to do from the left to the right is I just try to love all of you regardless. If you give a dollar, that's between you and God. And if you give a million, it's between you and God. I'm going to be your shepherd. I'm going to love you. I'm going to treat all of you the same. I'm going to care for you the same. And if you do give big, thank you. It's needed. And if you do give small, pray about giving consistently. It does make a difference for the house. But I don't ever want to be pulled to love someone because they give versus they don't. And Robin and I try to love you. Here's the scripture for this. My dear brothers, be careful in the yellow. If you're not, you can favor some people over others in the yellow. In the pink, you can give them special attention. But if you're not careful, you'll end up being guided by evil. And so one thing I work hard for at Believer's Church is to realize we've got people all over the spectrum. We've got wealthy people here. We've got people that are on fixed incomes. And as a shepherd, Robin and I try to love everyone equally. And, and we're very appreciative that you give. So all of that kind of out of the way, I want to jump into what I believe giving is. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. This is James 4. Hasn't God chosen the poor to be rich in faith? I want to talk to you about how to be rich in faith. My heart as a shepherd is not to enslave you to fear 
or status is to enslave you to faith. I want to teach you how I myself in about the next 20 minutes, how I got over a fear of money. My dad is a CPA. My brother is a CPA. My nephew is an accountant. My son-in-law is an accountant. My uncle is a CPA. My entire family is in money. My brother's in money. Makes a lot of it. I'm not opposed to it. I tried it. I I went one day to an accounting course because I thought, well, I might as well do the family business. I sat down in accounting. It was a grad school accounting class. I was ready to go. Going to make dad proud. Me and Gearing dad going to have Evans, Evans, and Evans. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) First accounting class in. My homework was to to determine the stability of the... God, I can't even remember all the big words. But I had to go home and look at the entire Starbucks Corporation to determine their validity of investments. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and I thought, this is of the devil. Every bit of this. This is nothing but the devil. This is from hell itself. And I withdrew. Come on. Mm. I made it one day. I called dad and said, Dad, I'm glad y'all got it. I don't have it. Just, just let me just love people and be weird. So I'm kind of the redheaded stepchild of the entire family. I, but I want to inspire you how I learned uh, to, to have faith for money rather than fear it because I feared it so long. I'm going to be broke. I'm a preacher. I'll be broke. I would lust after people who had better things than me. And thinking, I just don't ever have a lot. I wish I did. But I don't wish that. But I do because I like money. But I don't want to serve it. But I really would like to serve it. Oh, Jesus, if you could just help me get the right lotto, you know I would use it for you, your kingdom. (laughs) I played the lotto thinking I could win. Told God how many people I'd give if I won. You know? So I want to teach you what I've learned. I hope it blesses you. Now, what I'm about to teach you is, how do I live by faith in relationship to my money? I never made a lot. I think I started out making $28,000 a year, and I think now I make $28,500. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Bless him, Lord. I want to teach you how I've done it. I hope it helps you. First off, I've come to three conclusions about money. The first way is the most simplistic and they each get more complicated as we go. It's just charity. Charities you give out of your leftovers. You go up to Publix and they say, would you like to donate a dollar to the foundation of something? You're like, a dollar. Yeah, I got a dollar. Give it. That's charity. Charity is when you pull up to the bank and they say, would you like to donate to the whatever fund and we'll put your name on the little balloon, you know, to breast cancer. Yes, I'll do it. And you get your little name up that says, Mark donated. to." That's charity. It's everywhere. Uh, Goodwill is a charity. Red Cross is a charity. But typically, you give out of your leftovers. You got it, it even goes like this in the world. Hey, would you like to round up to an even dollar and your money will go to? And if you're broke, you're like, God, that's 18 cents. I don't... Do I want to round up 18 cents to bless a kid that has no food? That's a lot of money, 18 cents. Right? I don't know if you've ever been that broke. That 18 cents smells good. And then you'll be a jerk. No, I don't want to round up 18 cents. And then she just looks at you like she's a grandmother at the counter. She's like, really? She doesn't say it, but you know there's a grandmama spirit looking at you like, you're a loser, aren't you? (laughs) That's charity. We all do it. It's fun. It feels good. You give an extra dollar here, extra five there because you have it. Here's the next level. It's compassion. 
It's we give to somebody else's need. Even if we don't really have it, we're just moved to help them. Like it's not part of your budget, but you suddenly heard a need. There's a need in the Philippines. There's a need to Indonesia. There's a need to Oswa. There's a need for a garage. You, you didn't really come today thinking, but, but compassion moved you. And you thought, I want to help somebody. And so you take your Starbucks money and you give it to somebody else. But it's weird. You're going to get rid of Starbucks, but it just felt good. It, it is something about compassion. You just... You could use it for yourself, but you don't. You, it's part of your budget, but you robbed Peter to bless somebody. You just, oh, and it just feels so good. That's the second level. The highest level is this, and it's difficult. It took me years to get here. Thank God I arrived because it is freedom. But it took this old boy a long time because I primarily was a leftover giver. If I had it, I'd help you. If I didn't, I'd pray for you. And then I learned to stretch myself that even if I didn't have it, I wanted to, so I would support and help the best I could. But then at age 50s, in my 50s, I started really trying to move my mid-40s to conviction, which is you give from your need, meaning you have zero leftovers. You have nothing, but you give anyway. Because it's a conviction to give out of your need rather than give out of her need. Now it's just I walk around going, who can I bless today? I got tons of needs. I could keep it in my pocket for myself. But I walk around now and I look for others because I have a need. And the way I did it is I'm falling apart every month. Can I pay bills? And so I decided, hey, instead of falling apart every month, like that's my monthly cycle. I have one. It's called pay the bills. <laughs> and I'm just as tense as a woman. I'm just, stay away from daddy. It's that time of month. Why don't y'all turn down the air conditioning, my God? Dear Jesus, you know how much water you girls used? Use one towel a month. Come on. Right, I mean that's it. I'm really nice, but uh, when I'm paying bills, it's like ching 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 ching, and then I start going, "Why couldn't I just have boys? They're so much cheaper." Uh, until they eat, but my kids would fast. We would do intermittent fasting. <laughs> but I had to learn every month when I would feel t and I could feel it. Oh, I'd sit down and start <laughs> feel like I'm starting to burst something. And I would just go, okay. And then I would just go, nope. Nope, before I even get tense. This is back in the old days. I'd get my checkbook out and I would just write $75 to somebody, to a missionary, to something. And before I even added it up, I would just write it and mail it. Because I trained myself. I'm going to learn to give out of my need rather than fall apart every month. And I am here today. I ain't a rich old boy, but I am blessed from my head to the bottom of my toes. You follow me around and you'll go, that old boy's blessed right there. And I've never won the lotto. I don't have a million dollar retirement, but you follow me around and I'm just as happy. I've never lacked a thing. I've never not paid a bill. I've never got my lights turned off. There's been times I was like, oh God. So I want to teach you how to get to the blue. It's not fun but once you get there, it is a joyful life. Here we go. 
Many know this story. Just then, Jesus looked and saw a bunch of rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. And then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies and said, The plain truth is that this widow has given far more of the largest offering. All these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly, and in this phrase in pink, what she couldn't afford. That's what I mean. The highest level of giving is learning to give when you can't afford it. If you never get to the place of, I give when I can't afford it, then you've never arrived at conviction giving. You only give out of compassion or you give out of charity, and both are good. There's nothing guilty about it. It's a great thing. You should do it. But I don't know if you've ever given when you can't afford it. Your hind end gets tight. You start having to think about, am I going to get gas this week or am I going to give? Am I going to bless them or am I going to skip a hamburger? Because you're already thinking poverty. If I let it go, I'm losing something. I'm going to teach you how to shift that thinking. Let's jump into it. Here's the question. Isn't giving what I can't afford a stupid way to go broke? Logically, yes. Mathematically, absolutely. If you're, if you're broke and you give, you'll be more broke. And if you're broke and give more, you'll be more, more broke. That's the thinking of the world. Broke people don't give. Broke people get. It's the system. My father, my dad taught me the answer to this, and here it is. I've never met a giver who was broke. I'm going to say that one more time on this TV. I, I have never... Met a giver who was broke. Uh, it's still good. You'll get it. I'm just saying you'll get it. It's weird, I know. If you're broke, you're like, that is stupid wisdom. Who is your dad? Right? I mean, that just sounds like somebody that's over there inhaling something on a vape. That, but it's true. I've proven it. The 20 people that amen are living it now. I have never in my personal life, I have never met a broke person who is a giver. It does something. It releases supernatural things. Now, my dad told me that years ago, and I lived broke rather than blessed in my mentality because if I had money, to give money meant I was losing money. And I want to get it so I can bless my family. Here's two things I've learned. I'll let you go. How can I learn to give out of my need? Here's the first one. I have to see God possesses my earth. Most people that are Christians believe that God is the God of the heavens. He is, but he's also God of the earth. Amen. And a lot of giving out of my need determines, am I the one tilling my earth or is God in charge of my earth? And I had to go, I'm not going to teach on tithing today, but here's the scripture. It's, it's in the whole tithing passage. I'll maybe teach on tithing another day. But in the whole tithing passage, this is what it says in verse 19. Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. God doesn't just control the heavens, honey. He controls the earth. And if he controls the earth, he can bring you a well, a fish with tax money, a raven that's got bread, a widow that can fill it up. If God's in charge of Mark's earth, I'm never going to lack a thing. It's just when I let God be in charge of the heavens, but I'm in charge of the earth, asking him to bless me while I'm in charge of it. I'm going to go over here and go, bless it, Lord. I'm going to get another credit card and go, bless it, Lord. I'm going to work three jobs, bless it, Lord, because I have no problem with him being God of the heavens because I don't want to go to hell, but I, I like being in charge of the earth with him in my hip pocket. 
But what I learned in this passage is Mark had to come that God controls my earth. So when I'm thinking I could do a side job, I could do multi-level marketing, get rich. That's what the guy told me. You could be a multi-millionaire and never have to worry about money again. That sounds good. I loved it. But when I went to the one that possessed my earth and he said, no, you're not going to do that. I've called you to do this and I'll handle that. You just let me. Here I sit today, nowhere close to a million dollars. But boy, am I happy? Do I love my life? Never lacked a thing. Because I had to come to, he possesses my earth. And then Abraham gave him a tenth. This is what Abraham said back. He said, I lifted my hand to the Lord God most high. And then Abraham calls him the possessor of earth because Abraham says, ain't nobody here going to make me rich. Now that, is, that determines if you can give out of your need. Because if you see that the one that makes you rich is God and not Amazon or the lotto, things start shifting. I'm not saying the world can't make you rich. There's great things. You can do business. You can get wealth. It's not about wealth versus poverty. It's a thinking. And so I can either be born to a system that thinks it's the world. If I bust hump, if I work hard, if I get the degrees, all of that is great. You should. It, you become a stronger, wiser person for it. But in your getting money, in your, in your starting businesses, you still have to see that as you're out there being entrepreneurial, you still have to see that, wait a minute, I'm still not the one in charge of the earth. God is in charge of my business. God is in charge of my finances. And then this one, I've got to run. I'll just, I hate to rush, but we've got a whole other group. This revolutionized my life. I have to see my money as a seed and not a need. Here's the scripture. You must decide in your heart how much to give, Mark, and don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. That's what I try to do here. I don't want to pressure you. For God loves a person who does it cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need so that you'll always have everything and how much left over. Now, I've had to learn. Here's poverty, Mark. I, I, got a, I went by the bank today and took out $120 out of the bank, my own money. Oh, help me, Jesus. Now, the old mark was, I had $120, I would immediately start thinking what I could buy myself. And then I got married and immediately started thinking, what will Robin let me buy? <laughs> and then the longer I was married, it was, I better not tell her I have this money, she'll want to buy something. <laughs> and then the longer I was married, it was, might as well tell her because she knows I got it anyway. And then we had children, I never have money. So I went by and I learned that rather than being poverty-minded, Mark, wishing I could win money, get money, make more money, have money, and every time I got money, mentally already spent my money. And, and it, it show you how poverty I am. I'm in November thinking, oh, I can't wait till April gets here because this is what I'm going to buy with that money I get back. I'm already thinking about my taxes coming back. Everything I get, I immediately start rejoicing. I, I can go get a Starbucks now, baby. And nothing wrong with that. You ought, to, you ought to enjoy your money. You ought to buy nice cars and houses. That's what you work hard for. You, you should enjoy it. I'm not against that. But I had to learn that this money is not to meet a need. It was given to me to have a seed. So I always pick on this side. Leslie, come here. Oh, gosh, she's going to kill me later. Thank you, Leslie. Give Leslie a hand. So... So I go by the bank. I'm just going to 
don't, please don't go all King James on me. Well, you should never let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. All right, I'll cover my left, right hand. So my right hand has no clue what this hand's about to do. I'm not trying to be famous or righteous here. It's an object lesson. She's going to be blessed because of it. So I got 120 out of the bank. I give her 20. It's yours. You. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Don't go anywhere yet. <laughs> I want my money back later. It was just an object lesson, woman. All right, let's do some math. How much money do I have left? No, that's poverty-minded. I have 120 because I did not lose this. I planted it. I still got 120. Poverty mark is, God, I've got $100. Jesus, Jesus. No, no, Mark still got 120 because... I just took some of my seed and planted it in soil. Here's what's weird. How many of you know what does a seed do? It grows. Hand it back. Just don't go anywhere. Mark got 120. Poor Mark. This is poverty Mark. Oh, God, I've got to be a giver. Oh, do it cheerfully. <laughs> Try to be obedient. But I learned that I go to Leslie now and we often laugh because she'll Venmo me five and go, go get you a Starbucks. I Venmo her ten, go get you a Starbucks. So there's you a seed. Now, Mark still has $120, but here's what's weird. I do not. I have $140 because her seed multiplies. So now her seed multiplies, and as her seed multiplies, it multiplies my seed. I'm about to blow your ever-loving mind. Today, when I go by the bank, and I say, I'm just going to plant seeds today. Come here. You look like you need a seed. Come on up. You're on the front row. Yes. Look how wonderfully, beautifully she is. And there is a seed. Enjoy. How much do I have left? Poor $80 mark. Got $80. Y'all want to take me to eat afterwards because y'all got my money. No. You didn't know I was going to do this, right? You're shocked. Did you know? Thank you for letting me embarrass you. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't have $80. I've got $120 still, but multiplying gives me $140. I got $140 multiplying gives me $160. I should have out in the ether at least $160 brewing. But poverty mark is, better hold on to this. I walk in the door today. Not a soul knows what I'm going to preach. Not a soul. And someone walks up to me and says, I was praying for you today, and the Lord told me to give you this as a seed. And I was like, <laughs> and gave me a hundred dollar seed. I didn't even tell anybody what I was going to do. I just went to Wells Fargo, got out seed money, give this girl some seed, give this girl some seed. Now I not only got $80 in my pocket, 120 in my pocket there, 140 in my pocket there. God gave me another 100. Now I have 240 bucks, 
Honey, you can't beat that on Wall Street. You cannot beat that on Wall Street. Well, maybe you could, but you'd go home and tell your wife, I got lucky today. Thank you. You may be seated, and thank you. Keep it and be blessed. Now, I didn't do that to tout who I am. I want to teach you that many Christians live poverty-minded because they think about their money as meeting their need rather than their money as a seed. Everything you work for is a seed for God's kingdom. And yes, you get to keep it and you can do whatever you want to do with it. And if you want to have poverty, it's like I could earn another 20 and get back up to 100. And you can live that way your whole life and God will bless you and love you. But the moment you realize my seed, my money is a seed, not just for my need. And now I sit there and tell God all the time, God, here's another seed, another seed. And I, I kid you not, it is contagious how many people I gave a seed a couple of months ago, and I got, this is weird, I got $3,000 cash back in two hours, didn't even ask, and this is what they said, the Lord just told me I had to bless you. And I'm like, what in God's name? Give $100 and get $3,000 back? This is weird. And I'm not getting the money back to go buy me a Mercedes or to go get me some sheepskin shoes. Poor sheep. I've learned it's about his kingdom. And if I want good shoes or whatever, great. But I have to keep myself thinking I'm here for the kingdom of God. I'm not here for myself. And if I'll just seek his kingdom and give to his kingdom so that my right hand is nothing more than a funnel for my left, he will give seed to me. I can eat some seed. I can plant some seed. But if you eat all your seed, you live like this the rest of your life. God, just give me more seed to eat. Give me more seed to eat. Bless me, fix me, help me, heal me. But when you take one hand and turn it around and go, God, man, I'm here. I'm nothing but a planter. You just roll it to the old boy and I'll roll it on out to whoever I don't care. It will revolutionize your life. Here's the end. For God will always provide seed, verse 10. Always provide seed. Always provide seed. And he'll always increase you if you'll give. Here's the final. What I want to move us all to is to be rich in faith. And I'm not just talking about to the church. I'm talking about your whole life. I'm not taking up special offerings today other than you can bless the people we just talked about. But listen, if you'll come here and give a leftover, it'll bless the house. We had a church where we asked everybody for a year to give an extra $5. It was fun. We just said, let's see what happens. People were coming up going, oh, my God, you, I got to raise it. Oh, my God. And we just said, just give $5 every time you come in the door. Just give a five. And everybody in the church was like, yeah, I could do that. And we did. It was amazing. We were bringing in two to 3000 more a month, which let us give the missions more just from leftovers. Be compassionate here at this church. There's a lot of needs. You just heard what Reginald said. He thanked all of us. He said, oh my God, y'all came out of the woodwork to bless our family. Not just money, food and kindness. And... But then to move you somewhere as your shepherd, if I can move you to learn to give out of your need and trust the Lord. To see that God possesses your earth. 
and to see that he wants to bless you beyond to get you there. And it's hard. This old boy who leads this house, it took me a long time to believe the blue. Our system of America is not set up this way. It's a kingdom idea. And I would love to move you to that. Here's the final. Here's what I'm asking today. Let's become followers of Jesus who strive to be rich in faith. Your money is a seed, so use it generously. And I, I, I want to say this. It's kind of weirdly bold. I promise you, you'll never lack a thing.